All right, well, this morning, uh, we're going to jump to Galatians 3 this morning, and we've been walking through Galatians um, real quick. And if you've noticed the overall theme, if you've gone through and read it yourself, as we've been going through it, an overall theme that, that Paul keeps going through in Galatians is we need to understand our freedom we have in Christ. I'm going to get to week five, and we're going to talk about what we've been freed for. But today I want to continue in our thought process and go into Galatians 3 this morning, but I'm going to start out with a quick story. It says, in 1859, the famous tightrope walker, Charles Blondin, traveled to Niagara Falls. He stretched a three-inch wire over the gorge. There he he was suspended on this wire. He walked 1,100 feet from one side to the other. He did this a number of times, blindfolded in a sack, pushing a wheelbarrow on stilts, Guy was nuts. Um, sitting down midway while he cooked and ate an omelet, standing on a chair and only one chair leg on the rope. But that's not all. He also carried a man on his back over that tightrope. This might be one of the best examples of trust ever placed by one human in another. It's either brave or it's stupid. Blondin carried his manager on his back from one side of the falls to the other. I don't care if it was his manager that that just goes beyond a day's work right there. Okay, that's asking a little much from somebody. All right, so imagine if halfway across the manager had said to Blondin, look, I appreciate you've taken me this far, but I really don't trust you anymore. I think I'll do the rest myself. Let me down, I'm gonna take it from here. Now that manager would probably fall off that rope in about a second. He dropped to his death. But the sad part about that story, as as ridiculous as that sounds and we giggle about it, too often in our Christian life, we do the same thing with Jesus. We accept his grace, we accept his forgiveness, and then we think we got to go out and do it on our own. We miss that Jesus will carry us the whole time. And so what Paul starts to deal with in Galatians 3 is that thought process again of understanding that these Judaizers were coming in and telling them there were rules, regulations, and laws that they had to follow to be more saved. Again, title of this whole series can be Jesus plus nothing equals everything. There's nothing we can add. There's nothing we can earn. There's nothing we can do to get more saved. All right, and so as we continue our walk through Galatians, he begins to address these things how we tend to, a lot of times, make simple things more difficult. Why? Because we listen to what other people say. How many of you guys have ever done something that started out really simple and you made it way more difficult than it needed to be? All of us have. Um, I'm going to use my wife as an example because she's not here and she can't yell at me. Math, to me, is, is simple. Okay, you do this, you do this, you get this. She wants to know why. I am a horrible math teacher. I don't know why. I just know if you do this and this, this is you get the right answer. But when we have to dig deep and we have to start to try to figure everything out, it means we have to try to control everything. And we do that with our Christian walk. We think we have to know every little intricacy of everything before we step out in faith and do anything. We've made it more difficult when Jesus said, just said, go. He didn't say how to go. He just said go. And so when we all learn to just trust Jesus, we go believing that he's with us and he'll lead us. 
See, Paul starts off in the first few verses of Galatians 3. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I'm reading out of the NASB version. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, you are now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he provide you with the Spirit and works miracles among you? Do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? See, Paul is just, I love Paul because he just gets right to the point. He's been doing this every step of the way, and every chapter it starts off. It's, it's not some nice long soliloquy of, hey, you awesome people. He said, what? He's not calling them stupid. He's not calling them morons. He's not calling them dumb. He's saying, why are you listening to somebody else when it's Jesus and him crucified in the cross who saved you? That's it. You don't have to go out and do anything else except Jesus. Now, remember last week we talked, we will work from the love of Christ, not for the love of Christ. And when we understand the grace we've been given, we will give it to others. Not because it earns us anything, but because that's the free gift God gave us. And so... As we foolishly try to do the same thing, we have to stop trying to act like Christians and just to be Christians. we got to stop thinking we're better than others and stop acting a certain way and just learn to trust Jesus with what we're doing. See, we believe in Christ, we believe in God, and we believe in his Holy Spirit to do wonderful works in our lives, and then we leave after church on Sunday mornings and say, okay, i got to be a good guy. i got to try to be better. i got to try to be a better husband. I got to try to be a better wife. I got to try to be a better father. I got to try. No, no, no. Here's the deal. Let go. Let God. You stop trying and just doing. Will you make a mistake? Good golly, yes. We all will. But Paul's saying, you know, again, for me, my version, he's like, what are you, an idiot? Stop it. Quit making it more difficult than it is. Jesus died. It's that simple. That's the good news of the gospel. He took our payment and our debt and relieved us of it for free. We just got to take it. We got to pick it up. We need to understand God's blessings. See, God blesses us to live a Christian life that pleases him. Not that pleases us. The Galatians were foolish because they did they didn't understand his blessings. And we are equally foolish when we think we have to do certain things to get God's blessings. As a parent, do you only love your kids when they listen to you? If not, you're honestly only going to love them about 30% of the time. We listen to them because they're our children, or we love them because they're our children. Did you know most of the time your kids are going to obey you out of love for you? You'll get more done when it's based on love. See, the question we need to look at today and the question we all have to kind of answer today is, how do we grow our faith? And that's what Paul's trying to address here in this, in this chapter. This is how you grow your faith. And if we're honest, the, mis the mistake that was being made was that they thought they could earn salvation. More of it. See, a lot of us act like we're saved. 
we act like we're saved by grace through faith. And then we act like it's up to us to continue the journey. We believe we can get the Christian life right by doing it a certain way. I don't have my Bible with me today. If I did, I'd hold you up and I'd be like, here's your roadmap. The Bible is your roadmap to the Christian faith to grow. And so we need to study his word and then we need to go out and apply it to our lives and go do it. See, the Christian life isn't done sitting at home reading your Bible. The Christian life is done out amongst people, loving people, showing grace to people who you don't think deserve it. Because it's easy to love people in church, ain't it? Not quite so easy to those people you work with that you don't agree with. Check your faith, let it grow, and you will love them people too. In fact, you'll love them more because you see the hope that they need. So when, when Paul gets done with 3, 1 through 5, I, I jump to Romans 8, 8 and 9, and it says, And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. See, Paul's trying to tell these guys, okay, you already received the Spirit at salvation. He's already living inside of you. And he says, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit, he does not belong to him. So you were saved, the Holy Spirit came into you on the day you accepted Jesus as your Savior. There's nothing more you can do to get it anymore saved. Okay, you can cross-reference Romans 1.17 with it, and it basically says that the good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. And God made us right in his sight by his son dying on the cross and me accepting that forgiveness of sins. That's all I needed to do. And it's accomplished from start to finish. There's nothing else we can do to gain any more. There's nothing else we can do to gain any less. It says through faith that a person's life is righteous is what it says. And so stop thinking there's more that you can do. There is always more that we can do now. I will address that in a second. Because, again, the Christian life isn't about sitting at home in a bubble protecting ourselves. Because Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against his name. That sounds like we on the offense, we're not on the defense. So the purpose of Galatians 3 is the understanding for us as Christians that the whole entire Christian life is based on faith. It's not based on anything else. The Bible clearly teaches us when we become Christians at conversion that the Holy Spirit is poured into our hearts. In John, it talks about how Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into them. I'm not getting into Acts where the Holy Spirit came and poured over them. Not a whole other level we're going to take, we'll take things to. But you were sealed, you were guaranteed, his work was complete in you when you accepted him and you said, Jesus, become Lord of my life. And he says, have the Holy Spirit. And he came and lived inside of you. So you all have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you is what the Bible says. And so the power we get to walk around with is that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. But the beautiful thing about it is we don't have to work at making it stronger. He already strong. I, what, a song that we used to sing a lot. Thank you. A song that we used to sing a lot is, you know, I need you more. <laughs> theory, great, great song in theory. The problem is, is what more can Jesus give us? He died for us. We need less of us and more of him. And so as we continue the Christian life in the same way we started, we learn to live by grace, not by performance. 
because that's the way the Christian life has always worked best. It's not about doing things. The second thing we're going to look at real quick after the purpose of why he wrote it is, turn my page to the right side, otherwise you'd have got number four before I even got to number two. That would have been horrible. <laughs> so we received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I became a Christian. You know, basically, we all became Christians when we accepted the word of faith that Jesus died for us. We heard the gospel message. The gospel message is the good news that Jesus has made a way for us to be accepted by God through his death and resurrection. Now, if, again, if you think about the fact why we name this church Bridge Church, is we want to be a bridge from people where they're at to God. And that bridge is made by Jesus and the cross. That's the only reason we're here, is to introduce people to Jesus. We're not here to fix people. We're not here to fix what they're doing. We're here to trust Jesus, introduce people to Jesus, and let him sanctify them. Because I cannot sanctify myself, let alone anyone else. And the next thing Paul does in here is he starts to deal with the problem. The problem when Paul gets into it here, when you, when you start reading through it, is he talks about Abraham, and he talks about how was Abraham counted righteous because he, he left home. He was obedient, but he wasn't counted righteous for being obedient. Was he called righteous for sacrificing his son? No. He was obedient, but he wasn't counted as righteous. It says, by faith, Abraham was counted as righteous because he believed the promise, which was that his, by his seed, the promise would come. Now, 430 years later, the law came. This is what, I'm just giving you the synopsis of what they're saying in case you don't understand it. 430 years later, angels, God gave Moses the law. Does that delete the promise that God gave to Abraham that by his seed the promise would come? No, it doesn't. The law was a stopgap. The law said, let's keep you safe. See, the things we do as parents is we do things for parents and tell kids not to do things as parents, not because we don't want them to have fun, but because, guess what? I've made that mistake. Don't do it because it doesn't end well. So we try to protect them. God does the same thing with his rules, with the laws that people always say, well, I can't go do this. Well, no, nobody's saying you can't go do it. I can just say that it's probably not going to end well for you if you do do it. Because, again, God, beginning and nowhere in sight, knows everything, probably smarter than me. Just saying, so I'm going to trust what he says. The, the heresy that the Galatians were teaching is that the Christian life, and to grow in it, you have to start doing things yourself and by yourself and trying to do things yourself and become a better Christian by doing laws, by doing do this. By everyone getting rid of your TVs, you'll be better Christians. Okay. Some cases that's probably true, but again, it's it's a again, it's a personal conviction type of thing. I have a TV, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying get rid of your TVs. Unless it's an idol, then get rid of them. If it takes place of you spending time with God, then it's a problem. Shut it off for a little while, spend some time with God. And so there's confusion that was going on. So Paul is not saying that we should passively sit by and do nothing. Paul never said that. Because waiting on God brings change. Change brings transformation. Transformation means you go out and do something. You don't stay still. See, again, Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So if I'm going to work out my salvation, see, to me, instantly workout says I'm going to the gym. I'm eating my frog, which I've been doing. For you guys that weren't here, go back, listen to that message, eat the frog. Um, Paul's saying, again, don't let your faith sit in a box. A light isn't put on a hill to be covered up. Again, a city on a hill, we don't want to hide it. Don't hide your faith. Don't hide your love for Christ. Let it shine so other men can see it. As in Philippians, it says, shine like stars in the universe. Why? Because people want hope and they want truth. We're so afraid of offending people today that we're unwilling to tell them the truth when the truth is what they actually want. And so the same man who wrote to work out your salvation also wrote, by grace you have been saved through faith. So see, salvation happens, works follow. Because it's a natural progression. Though we are saved by God's unconditional grace, through the gift of faith, the works we do prove our faith is real. See, if I'm unwilling to share my faith with people, do I truly believe it's real? That's what Paul's asking us, and that's what Paul's asking the Galatians to understand. That if your faith is real, then then show it. Don't just keep it hidden in a box. Because the third thing we see as we go through this is the promise. We've seen the purpose, the problem, now the promise. God sent his son to take our place. You jump down to verse 12, it says, However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise through the Spirit, through faith. See, the promise that God has always made to everyone who believes is salvation. He doesn't say a select few get saved. Again, all call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And that's the promise that God made. Now, if you truly believe that God cannot lie, then his promise is true. And all you have to do is call on his name to be saved. Now, there is a condition with that, that guess what? After you've been saved, it's time to go help someone else. He didn't save you for you. He saved you.